Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you here on Friday, March the 16th. This week we're discussing the mental health of deaf people. This is a very important but poorly reported and misunderstood issue. In the latest issue of The Lancet, which is dated March the 17th to the 23rd, we publish a systematic review looking at mental health among deaf people. Alongside that, we publish a comment, one of the authors of which, Dr Andrew Alexander, from the Royal United Hospital in Bath in the UK, I'll be speaking to in a moment. Also to mention that a full British Sign Language video of Dr Alexander and colleagues' comment is available as a web extra video on thelancet.com. Do look out for that. And the subject is also discussed in our lead editorial this week. But let's now hear from Dr. Andrew Alexander when I spoke to him earlier in the week. Dr. Alexander, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. You're one of the authors of a comment we have alongside a review, which is looking specifically at the mental health of deaf people. You say that deaf people often experience individual or institutionalised discrimination. What form does this discrimination take and how does it come about? I think it comes about because of poor deaf awareness among NHS staff who aren't familiar with looking after deaf patients, particularly sign language using deaf patients. So, for example, not booking a sign language interpreter for a consultation, which would then mean that a full consultation isn't possible. So the doctor can't take a full history or explain management and the patient's denied an opportunity to discuss their concerns. And I think one problem area is staff making assumptions. So assuming a patient can lip read or using written notes to to hold a consultation actually doesn't give a full consultation. Lip reading, the the patient often has to guess gaps that they uh, need to fill in. And their literacy levels may be lower than average because if their first language is British Sign Language, they will have learnt English as a second language. There's also a a common failing of healthcare professionals asking deaf patients or allowing deaf patients to use family members or friends as interpreters. There's a risk that if they're not fully qualified interpreters, which most family members won't be, that they could make a mistake in translation. And also it impairs the deaf patient's autonomy and privacy. The most worrying statistic that's in our comment is that 30% of sign language using deaf patients will actually avoid seeing their GP because of difficulties in booking the appointment. And once they get there, their past experience that poor communication in the appointment has often left the patient none the wiser at the end of the appointment. So they'd rather risk their own health than face another battle with the healthcare system. Institutional discrimination, if you think of patient information leaflets, they're mainly written, which may not be as accessible to deaf people as I mentioned earlier. And they're available in many foreign languages, but there's very few videos in British Sign Language. And in most hospitals, it's much easier to book a foreign language interpreter than a British Sign Language English interpreter. In terms of the review that your comment is assessing, do you want to just comment on what you think the highlights or main features are from the review? Because the review brings out and confirms some facts about the health of deaf people that we've been aware of for a while, isn't that right? I think the main headline points of Dr Fellinger's systematic review are that deaf people have approximately double the prevalence of mental health problems of hearing people. In particular, deaf children who can't make themselves understood within their own family are four times as likely to have mental health problems, and they also suffer higher rates of abuse. He's also found, similar to 
what we've reported in our comment, that deaf patients in the mental health area have fear and mistrust and frustration with healthcare services because of the communication barriers and because of limited access to health information. And his main recommendation is that specialist services are needed, and there are some, but more specialist services are needed, with healthcare professionals preferably fluent in sign language, not working through an interpreter, but preferably fluent themselves so that they can pick up on the nuances of the language being used by the patient and be able to make a fully accurate assessment of a patient's mental state. What can be done to improve the situation? And what you've just said there about having healthcare staff fully trained in sign language, British sign language, obviously within the British context, that must be an incredibly difficult thing to do, given that sign language is so poorly known about among people who don't need it. And particularly given current constraints on on the health service, it's hard to see a sudden increase in healthcare staff who can use sign language to communicate with deaf patients. There's two groups of staff who are fluent in BSL. There's those who, for some reason or other, have learnt it. They may have deaf family or deaf friends or some other reason for learning it. And then there's deaf healthcare professionals. So people who are trained healthcare professionals who are also deaf and are sign language users. One of the reasons there's poor awareness is that there are very few deaf healthcare professionals. So doctors don't have many deaf people among their peers, and the same for nurses, to improve their awareness because there are barriers in training because a lot of training relies on hearing. In terms of expense, even in the short term, it's cheaper to book a British Sign Language interpreter for an appointment than it is to have deaf patients not turning up for appointments or having repeated appointments because they don't understand what they were told the first time. There's good evidence that £20 million a year is lost by the NHS on wasted appointments for, for deaf patients. So that would fund interpreters, which giving clear communication in a consultation should minimise medical error. And it's also nicer for the deaf patient. And it's also a legal requirement to make a reasonable adjustment for patients who require a reasonable adjustment, such as a BSL interpreter in a, in a consultation. Clearly, a lot more work needs to be done to improve the situation for deaf people. A final thought from me as a non-expert If we were talking about a specific area of medicine, let's take stroke, for example, you might get a lot of experts in stroke together to form some consensus or to form some guidelines as to the best way that management of stroke should proceed in the future. Isn't that what needs to happen with the treatment and communication with deaf people? Don't deaf people themselves need to inform guidelines as to how they can be most appropriately engaged in the healthcare environment? One of the things we've called for in our comment is for some national guidance which then can be adapted for individual providers on how to communicate and care for deaf patients, but co-written with deaf people. And one way of doing that is to set up a deaf clinical network, which could then advise the National Commissioning Board and clinical commissioning groups to make sure that commissioners think about deaf people's access for every service they commission. Let's finish with actually the concluding line in your comment. What advice would you give to a healthcare professional who has a deaf patient coming into their consulting room? The key thing is to ask the patient how they wish to communicate because every deaf patient is different. People have different preferred communication methods. You can't assume that a profoundly deaf patient actually does want a British Sign Language interpreter. So the bottom line is ask the patient. Pleasure talking to you, Dr. Andrew Alexander on the line from Bath in the United Kingdom and co-author of a comment in this week's issue concerning the mental health of deaf people. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you very much.
Also to mention that a full transcript of this podcast has been made specially available, published as a PDF alongside Dr. Andrew and colleagues' comment. Well, that's all for this week. See you next time.